Podo. You're listening to Movers and Shakers, a podcast about living with Parkinson's. The show is sponsored by Judge Nick Mostyn's Old Chambers and by the generous contributions of private donors. Welcome to the Movers and Shakers podcast about living with Parkinson's. As usual, we're in the pub to have a bit of a laugh, a bit of a joke, a bit of a moan. Probably need the jokes more than usual. This is one where we stare fear straight in the face because we're talking about cognitive decline and dementia in Parkinson's, something we all doubtless dread. So, right, who's here? Nicholas Mostyn. Rory, can I can I just point out that you've not said who you are? True. That's cognitive decline <laughs> in a major <laughs> way. Self-effacing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and who are you, by the way? <laughs> I don't know, ask Matron, she'll tell you. <laughs> Welcome to the Movers and Shakers podcast about living with Parkinson's. I'm Mark Mardell. Who's here? Nicholas Mostyn. Rory Ketlin-Jones. Yeah, and you still haven't said who you are. You know, he did. He did. He did. <laughs> did, he, did I'm did Mark Mardell, who are He's you? spreading the cognitive decline. I'm Jeremy, I'm Jeremy Paxman, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm Paul Mayhew, Archer. And I was Jillian Lacey Solomar last time I looked. Oh, and I'm doing part of this as well. <laughs> <laughs> part I'm doing, if you really want to know, is about what you can do to stave this off, because I've been trying all sorts of things, and I'd like to know from our expert how effective they are or aren't. Obviously not that effective, given the last five minutes. This is a hard subject. We couldn't have a better guest. When you ask around, everyone tells you she's the expert's expert. All roads lead to Professor Ramona Weil. Good afternoon. Tell us a bit about yourself and your project. Thanks for having me. So I'm a, I'm a consultant neurologist at UCL, and I lead a weekly clinic in Parkinson's, particularly where there's dementia, where there's thinking and memory problems. And I also lead a research programme which is aimed at trying to understand how dementia happens in Parkinson's disease. And what's the answer? <laughs> we'll, we'll come to that later. We'll come to that, yeah. Still, we're all still working on it, but we know more than we used to. No, this is a difficult subject and anyone feel they are suffering cognitive declines? So before you all answer, I'll go first. Just as my fingers fumble for things, my mind fumbles for words. I find myself going into a room or going to the refrigeration and thinking... Why on earth am I here? It usually comes back within a few seconds or minutes anyway. But uh, I can't multitask. That's the biggest one, I think. Mm -hmm. I find it really difficult to send an email when my wife's talking to me or I'm listening to the radio. I just can't do it anymore. And I seem to be reading less, which does worry me. But I just also think Parkinson's takes up so much time. It takes you 20 minutes to get dressed in the morning. You have less time for reading. Nick? This is all true. No, I agree with you. I, I find that I... I'm speaking about something and then there's suddenly a blank and I don't know what I've been talking about. Yes. It's so. happening more and more frequently that I'm talking and then I, suddenly I hit a sort of void and mm. I can't remember what I've been talking about. Mm. Yeah, well, I suffer from the, the typical, you know, going upstairs to get something and forgetting what it is and coming back down without it and my wife looking at me with like, impatience. Exactly. Right? So what I find difficult to work out is whether I'm just getting crumbly as my wife suggests, or whether there is something worse going on. But for a long time, I've been forgetful. I, I find I'm having terrible trouble remembering names and things for which there is no sort of um, alternative, as it were. There's a right answer, a wrong answer. And, uh, and also, I used to find when I forgot names that I could find links to the names because I'd say, oh, you know, so-and-so who's in that film with them, um, and then I'd find who they were in the film with and I'd come back... 
but now I can't, all the links are disappearing as well. So I end up saying, do you remember that film where so-and-so, who was in it with, um, oh, you know, what's her name? <laughs> who was in that other thing? Um, um, what, you know, the one about the, um, oh, God. Um, the, and it just goes round and round in circles. What's the name's just, in it with Thingy? Yes, yeah, yeah. with Thingy. I love and, that and, film, yeah, yeah. obviously. We the wor- the worst one. thing is when you, you're a couple and you meet somebody and you know them and you have to introduce them to Yes, yeah, so I had that and, last night. And that faulty a, the, towers the, the, the moment. Only, the only way to do it is to first introduce your partner. Oh, this yeah. is Diane. The person then intervenes and says their name. Thank God. Yeah. I thought you were but the I, 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 I've, we been, met I've been people. like that for ages. Uh, yeah. I, I never, never remember people's names. And Joe's always used to say, aren't you going to introduce me? And she's now learned not to do that. And, you know, well, just to... Yes, Julie you were like that on the world this weekend, weren't you? Yes, absolutely. Julie used to say that, but now I can't remember her name, my wife. <laughs> when I used to do TV, I'd, I was famous for saying there's always three reasons for everything. I always found three reasons for everything, and now I'm not convinced if I was saying it's reason one, two, that I'd have a clue what reason number three was, so it's a dangerous thing to do. So, Ramona... So a lot of what you're describing, especially going up the stairs, can't remember why I've gone up the stairs, or I've walked into a room, I can't remember why, and also forgetting people's names. Those are really common once you get over the age of about 45. So all of us have those. So they don't necessarily mean that there's anything serious going on. I don't think we need to be quite as scared as as you suggested at the beginning. There's also quite a lot of reasons that people can have difficulty with, with thinking of memory. So if you're very busy and doing things and there's lots of things going on, actually your brain is processing all of that information. So you may not be taking things in which might be why you don't remember that third item that you really wanted to make sure that you remembered so being busy just generally things with aging and and actually if there's other issues so having a a bad night's sleep or having some anxiety or depression on board all of those things are going to affect thinking and memory it doesn't necessarily mean that something more serious going on if you have some of those symptoms what are the clues that something serious is going on So that's a good question, particularly with, with Parkinson's dementia. That's the sort of thing that we, that we start looking at in the clinic. Is that different from Lewy body dementia then? There's Parkinson's dementia, and then there's another thing called dementia with Lewy bodies. And the way they differ is that if you have Parkinson's and we follow people up for long enough, after enough time, eventually people can develop dementia. And the numbers on, on that are about 50% at 10 years, but there's a lot of variability underlying that. And do you know what happens after 10 years? Does it then go to... 60% you know very good question so actually it's fairly linear so it doesn't jump up right and there's also it's not something that necessarily is is very late stage it can happen at, at any stages around 50% at 10 years but yes then then can continue whereas dementia with Lewy bodies is where the dementia or the thinking and memory changes happen first or within a year of you getting the Parkinson's symptoms so that's where they differ there is an umbrella term which encompasses both of them which is Lewy body dementia and I think it's bananas I didn't make up the, the words it's really confusing and actually a lot of neurologists don't quite use the terms correctly. So Lewy body dementia encompasses dementia with Lewy bodies and Parkinson's disease dementia. And the reason it's useful to have something that encompasses both is because sometimes you can't quite tell. So especially I see people in my clinic and I'm not sure when exactly did the thinking memory changes happen. And also a lot of the symptoms are really overlapping. So actually I've got a support group for people with Lewy body dementia because it's helpful for both sides. I've said cognitive decline and Mm. dementia. There are two types of dementia. Is cognitive decline separate or...? So cognitive decline is a sort of agnostic term. It just in general could whether there might be some decline. And actually I would say that that includes the general changes that you described earlier, just sort of forgetting why you've gone into a room and all of us have 
after a certain age. Dementia is quite specific. That's when it's actually interfering with day-to-day life where you can't kind of do the day-to-day things because of thinking your memory changes. So that's where I'd put the distinction. Can we take one step back even from that and just look at dementia? How different is Parkinson's dementia from general dementia? And how different is general dementia from... Oh, God, I've forgotten the word. Alzheimer's there. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So general dementia covers everything. It doesn't tell you which type it is. By far and away, the commonest type of any type of dementia is Alzheimer's. So when people talk about dementia, they're usually talking about Alzheimer's dementia. Now, it depends how you count it, but officially the second commonest type of dementia is vascular dementia, which is caused by really wear and tear of the blood vessels to do with, with blood pressure changes in the brain. And then the third commonest type of dementia is dementia with Lewy bodies. So then where does Parkinson's dementia fit in with all of that? Probably with dementia with Lewy bodies. And actually, some people say it's the second commonest type of degenerative dementia. But that's really splitting hairs. Now, how does Alzheimer's differ from Parkinson's dementia? So it differs in the the parts of the brain that are particularly affected. So Alzheimer's dementia mainly causes memory loss. And that's where people really forget people's names. And that becomes really much more striking. So they're forgetting names of close family members, for example. Also sort of wayfinding difficulties. They might get lost going to familiar places. Parkinson's dementia and dementia with Lewy bodies affect really different parts of the brain. And there's two parts of the brain it particularly affects. So one is with organisation and planning. And the other part of the brain is actually the back of the brain, which is where we process visual information. So that will be judging distances, perhaps when driving or finding. If you've got lots of things in front of you and you can't find the thing, even though it's right in front of you. I do find it increasingly, I used to think I was really good at multitasking, really good at organising my diary because I'm sort of naturally sloppy, so I had to be. Mm. And now I just find it more difficult. I had a panic last week, actually, when I thought I'd told you to come on the wrong day, and I hadn't. But I spent half an hour panicking about oh, it. Oh, no. I'm sorry to have caused panic. Well, can I, can I ask this question? Statistically, how much more likely are you to get dementia if you have Parkinson's than if you do not? We know this from a a Scandinavian study that showed that if you have Parkinson's, you're six times more likely to get dementia. So, I mean, that's quite a a scary number. That is a scary number. And that's why I think we should talk about it, because it is something that's there. And people don't talk about it partly because they're scared, but also because there's a kind of perception of, like, oh, well, there's not much point. There's nothing we can do about it. And when I say people, I'm including clinicians as well. There's almost a kind of clinical feeling that, oh, I don't know if I want to bring this up in the clinical appointment because, well, you know, I'll deal with the movement side, for example, of Parkinson's, but there's not much I can do about the dementia. It's, it's incorrect. There are things we can do, and hopefully you'll come away feeling a bit more well, buoyed so. up that there yeah. are things you can do. But yes, yeah. In the light of what you just said, yes. it was slightly sobering. I hadn't realised that the rate was to that degree. If you were age 70, which I will mm. be in a few years' time, would you say as a matter of probability that it is more likely than not that I will get dementia? You're really talking like a judge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. It's, it's, yeah. it's such a pain. <laughs> and, and I don't know. I okay. don't know about you. And I Statistically? Sit, I don't know statistically okay. if you're more likely than not. What I can look at are the things that make people more likely to develop dementia if they have Parkinson's. Okay, which are? So an older age at diagnosis is by far and away the most, um, the strongest But hang on, thing. isn't that just that older people get it more anyway? Such a good dementia. point. So we would think that, but it seems to be even beyond that as well. Oh, really? Okay. So if you're diagnosed at an older age, that you are more likely. So you're not yet 17, so you were presumably diagnosed before 17. 62. So, get, get so you're probably... Probably slightly lower risk. Get it early. There are some benefits to get it early. But you said that um, (gasps) driving, if you're driving, if you can't judge distances or spatial awareness or something, that's a sign. 
Spatial uh, awareness would worry me. So we've been doing, in, our, in my own research group, we've been looking at following up people who have Parkinson's and looking at changes over time. I haven't taken them out in cars, so I haven't tested driving, but we have done visual tests in the laboratory. And what we have found is that people with Parkinson's who struggle with visual information, when we follow people up over time, those people are more likely to develop dementia and also some other poorer well, outcomes. I've just decided to stop driving because I find I, right. I, I sort of veer to the left slightly. Right. Which is fine in avoiding oncoming traffic, but not good with... It's better than veering to the right. Well, no, but veering to the left means I might plow into people. You, right. <laughs> I don't want to do. I was talking speaking figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, if you're worried about that, then I think it is sensible to, to stop yourself. But there are lots of different factors, like I've said. So older age, if there are difficulties judging distance, that would be another factor. What are the other signs? All of this is about balance of probability and statistics. And actually, a lot of the work that we're trying to do is to try and firm it up more with more measures and actually even potentially with, with things like blood tests and brain scans, which is what we do in our laboratory. Another factor is actually specific changes in sleep. So you might have heard about REM sleep behaviour disorder. Mm. So REM sleep is the part of sleep when REM, rapid mm. eye movement, is when your eyes move rapidly when you're sleeping. And most of us, when, when we're asleep, because we might be having very vivid dreams at that point, we're actually paralysed. So if we dream that there's a tiger coming to get us, we don't try and attack the tiger. But actually, in some people with Parkinson's, REM sleep behaviour disorder is where during that part of sleep, they lose that paralysis. So they start moving around or kind of fighting the tiger or shouting or laughing in their sleep. Is there anything that one can do in relation to brain health to yes. reduce the risk? that you have mm. spoken of. Absolutely. There are things that everybody can do, and I know Gillian wants to know about those as well. So let's hear from Gillian before you... Oh, yes, ah. go on. I wanted to talk about this quite a bit because I think we're all very concerned about, you know, as yeah. you were saying, Mark, this is our hidden or not-so-hidden terror for all of us. I've been trying to learn Polish, and I've been battling my 94-year-old father playing Bogor, and we only have five-word letters or more, so it's Brilliant. all impossible. <laughs> But, I mean, in general, I've, I've had this theory, and I don't know if it's right or not, about brain games. And I had a brain game here for everyone, which I used to give my students when I was, in fact, at UCL myself. Everyone can have one. Oh, gosh, okay. I didn't know I was going to be... Including I'm, you, I'm Ramona. I'm terrified. One it's a easy, V and a one. One easy one and one harder one. So the first one is turn this into a seven with the addition this of is one great radio. line. <laughs> one, no, no, but I've okay, one line. Yes. You got, yeah, you've done that. Yes, I've done that. That's okay. easy. Has everyone done that? Yeah. The judge will get it because he's living in Latin. What am I going to anyway? do? Add one line and turn that yeah, into, into a, a seven. seven. And then the next one, turn it over. Oh, dear. Okay. And this one, add a line here and turn this one into a six. So that's one X. Okay. And once you have one solution... Oh, we need more than one solution. We, well, there are lots of solutions out there. So oh, yeah, know. one line, OK. Yep. Done it. But have you got two or three solutions? My students came up with, I think, four or five. Oh, my. Oh. But that was collectively, to be fair. Well, I think we'll stick to one each. Just come one on, one each, all right. Turn it into a Does six. that have to be a straight line? No. You don't, don't, no. don't quibble, Sybil. Right. For okay. those, those listening at home, the first one it was a V and a one and... How do you turn that into...? A seven. That was just pure Roman numerals, and you put a one after it, and that makes seven. V11. One, one. Yeah, got that. was that. the easy bit. Yeah, now yeah. then, the next one is a one and an X next to each other, which in Roman terms would be a nine, and then you were supposed to turn that into a six. And I'm intrigued. Did everyone get it? I put an S in front of it. Oh, yes. clever. Oh, clever. No, I, I didn't do that. I put a line across it. I bisected it. 
Oh, you should be worried. I am worried. <laughs> so if you put a line right through the middle of it, turn it upside down, it's a V1 and it's reflected oh. in the water below. It's almost oh, like, do you see? Oh, I yeah. see. Oh, okay. But there's a super elegant one, I think, which oh, yeah. is this. You just put a six at the end of it and it becomes one times six. Oh, oh very good. Which, of course, is six. Yeah. And the other one that I love, which is completely anarchic, because we didn't say it has to be a straight line, remember? Then you put the line right through it like that. You scribble it all out and in, in a continuous movement, you just draw a six. You can tell we're all radio professionals. I don't know about the judge, if, that, if you'd no, approve that of that. <laughs> so, so turning it S-I-X is the simplest way. That's but, the simplest way. But, but not as brilliant as the other way. I don't way. know. Not I don't know if it's more brilliant or less brilliant. But what are the signs then that you can draw from this that you have well, some sort I've just of dementia? Been, I used to do it just to draw my students into the sort of whole lecture. Second thing was I spoke to a chess grandmaster, mm. Raymond Keane, and he was telling me a couple of different anecdotes. The first one was that no chess grandmaster ever got dementia, apparently. And the second one, he told me, was about the World Memory Championships, which he used to run. And he told me this extraordinary anecdote. Fair enough, it's only a sample size of one, but have a listen. We had a case a couple of years ago in China of a little old lady who was 80 years old who'd really got dreadful mental degeneration. And she was, you know, throwing her dinner into the waste can and hooking the rubbish and going out and forgetting where she lived and so on and so forth. And she got hold of one of our books recommended by a friend and she read it, studied it and started using the techniques in it for increasing her memory power. And she came back from the brink and she actually won the prize for the Veterans Championship and then gave a 20-minute speech from memory at the closing ceremony. Now, that was only a sample size of one there. So let me just go to a little bit of science as my last argument, which is here a study that was done in Australia recently. I'm sure you're familiar with it. This was looking at 10,000 different people, and they concluded, let me just read you the sentence of conclusion, these results suggest that engagement in adult literacy, creative art, and active and passive mental activities may help reduce dementia risk in late life. And what it said was that the risk went down by 11%, which is quite substantial. There we are. That's all my arguments in one. That's fantastic. I, I loved the brain game that you gave us. The anecdote of one is very hard to comment on because I haven't obviously met the patient and I don't know very much about her. But I think the Australian study is very interesting and actually is very much along the lines of the sort of approach th that I take. So the two main things that I'd say for really anybody should be and can do to prevent dementia if they have Parkinson's are physical activity, so engaging in physical exercise and social interaction. And I think the Australian study very much is on the second, so literacy, social interaction. And actually, I think the game that you gave us and you got us all to do together is a brilliant example of actually engaging and getting people working together. And even I think the meetings that you have here regularly, this sort of social, regular getting together, that's protective. That, is, that is fascinating. I mean, why is, why is social engagement so important? I mean, we don't, I don't think we know, and we don't know, and there haven't been enough studies in Parkinson's to specifically show social engagement. So we haven't got the 10,000 patients because that was 
wasn't done in Parkinson's, that was in general mm, adults. Yes, yeah. Just loosely and literally hand wavy is that probably it's about engaging more brain networks and that's probably why it helps. But the physical, I know you're always looking dubious, but the, the physical exercise where there's starting to be more evidence, and I think you talk about physical exercise every time you meet actually. So there's really now good hard evidence for physical exercise improving the movement outcomes in Parkinson's. And I've seen those. There's a Dutch neurologist called Baz Bloom yeah. who's mm-hmm. done really incredible work showing that with a sort of active intervention that the movement measures actually improve over time. He's also started to show there's less evidence for this, but even the cognitive outcomes can slightly improve with exercise. So actually this is something that in my clinic, it's actually I have a checklist and a template for my clinic because I want to make sure I cover everything. And I always talk to people about exercise. As far as I understand it, what's happening is a, a chemical thing in the brain. Something is going wrong in our brain. Something mm. physical is going wrong. It's quite difficult to work out why hanging out in the pub together would affect what's going on inside my brain. What is going on in the brain that causes dementia and Parkinson's? We don't know completely, and we're all working on that. It's very likely to be more than one thing. And actually, that's one of the challenges with Parkinson's as well, is it's more than one thing probably in everybody, but also everybody's so different. I mean, you're all sitting around the table and each of you is likely affected quite differently. The sorts of things that are changing in the brain, you talked about a chemical imbalance, and we all know about dopamine in Parkinson's. Dopamine is not the only neurotransmitter or chemical that's affected. So other chemicals that are affected particularly are acetylcholine, for example. And those pathways that produce acetylcholine are certainly affected in Parkinson's as well. There's also build-up of proteins. So you'll know about alpha-synuclein and Lewy bodies that build up. But actually other proteins also build up in Parkinson's. Actually, proteins like amyloid and tau that we do see in Alzheimer's as well, they cause slightly different effects in Parkinson's. And I think they probably interact a bit with the alpha-synuclein and there's probably some interaction of the proteins. And there's also work that we've been doing using brain scans is actually the connections in the brain are affected. Many of you may have had a brain scan as part of your diagnostic workup and you probably were told it was normal. And that's part of the frustration that things can't be normal in the brain because things are not quite working correctly. But a kind of hospital standard MRI scan doesn't really pick up changes that you find in Parkinson's usually. But actually, sort of work that we're doing with research, we can do more advanced techniques looking at the changes in the brain tissue. And we can see that the connections between different brain regions are affected. And there are changes within the tissue as well. Should we be optimistic when we hear about drugs for Alzheimer's? There is a couple of drugs for Alzheimer's which are beginning to show some promise about clearing out the gunk in the brain. Yes, I think we should be. So I think one of the things I feel about working in the kind of space of Parkinson's dementia is that I can benefit from drugs that are developed for Alzheimer's and drugs that are developed for Parkinson's. Well, they're now approved in the States. We're hoping to find out if they'll be approved in the UK. But I think that they are likely to have some useful effects in, in Parkinson's as well, in the right people. So what should I do? I hate exercise <laughs> and I'm rubbish at it. Right. What should I do? So find the one you, you hate the least, because actually then you'll do it the more. Even if it's going for a walk with a friend, yes. that's good enough. One of the things that people seem to do when they have problems with memory is make lists, lots of lists. And that seems to me to be extraordinarily organised and rather brilliant. So why have they got dementia? I mean, I think making lists is, I make lists. So I, I think making lists is a good thing, whatever. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have dementia, hopefully, if you make lists, because otherwise I'd be very badly affected. So I think... It's quite think depressing never getting joke. to the end of the list. My, um, That's the thing. I never, never tick them off at the end of the day. My, my late mother maintained mm-hmm. that she had a fully active brain and had, didn't, was not, as she put it, going gaga because she played online bridge and online scrabble. 
Oh, but there's but nobody there. there the other side. There, there's there's a nobody, there is nobody there. You're just playing against a machine. But she was absolutely convinced that this is what kept her in good mental health. Yeah, I've got an elderly <laughs> relative with dementia and the only thing she can really do is her online solitaire. Oh. You said that it's very different. You stressed that it's very different to uh, Alzheimer's. Yes. How do people end up uh, differently? I mean, because I think the great fear of this mm. is that... I mean, like, Gillian's got this great poem that says, even though I've got Parkinson's, it's still me inside. With dementia, you feel it's probably not you inside. I'm so glad you asked that, because actually, that's something I really find with people that I see in the clinic, that they are still them. And I think that is different from Alzheimer's, that people have an awareness, they know what's going on, and actually it isn't this sort of, oh, I'm not me. I think you absolutely retain the person you are, even at relatively advanced stages. So I, I do see that difference. Yeah, I wouldn't project too much. I think that do all the things to, to keep good and strong and keep brain health as good as possible. And, and I think talking about it's important. And also talk about it with your clinician as well. Because there are things that can and be done at the be, hospital. Is it best to go walking with people? So you're conversing with them as well? So we don't know yet. But I, that is something I do talk about in the clinic. Because you're more likely to do it. It's more enjoyable and you're getting the social interaction. Why haven't we done it so far? Why haven't we funded research into this? Because it seems absolutely... Fundamental. Well, I think there needs to be more funding into Parkinson's. You know, research. Ramona's, don't we, we? No, I tell you what we need. We need a charter. Ramona, wow. thanks. You've been Girls. a brilliant guest. Can I just through. before we go, can we go around the table and say whether you're reassured or worried or whatever? I'm better informed. I'm, I'm worried, much better informed. I'm worried about the the, the six times. Uh, so I'm really worried stat, about that. But I'm also encouraged by what we can do about it. You've given us a really positive message, and thank you for that. I don't know what to think now. And I need to mull over this. As to whether I, I don't know whether I've got something. Well, I'm going to or download not. the book. And I'm going to ask whether I can finish with the poem again. Oh yes. Which is sort of on topic. Could, am I allowed to um, to say one extra thing? You yes. are. Of course, there's many extra things so, as you so like. I, well, I think part of it, and I hope that one of my messages is about taking control, because I I think that's a really important element. So one way of taking control is to take part in research. We are running a research program into how a dementia happens in Parkinson's, and we need people to take part who do and who do not have dementia. So we we're looking for all comers really, and we even need people who don't have Parkinson's because we're looking for people to take part who have who are controls. So if any of you would like to take part, then that would be welcome. And I don't know if I can say... Do we have to yes, take part in, presence or in presently or can we do it from a distance? Or? The most of what we're doing is that you would come to our lab at UCL for a I day. I might very well do that. Mm. And it's yeah. quite fun. It's not, not I'm not, going. Not, yeah. Brilliant. So, They're yes, very keen on making judge. sure you've got no yeah. metal in your body. Yes, you have oh, to have no I'm metal in your body. I've had DBS any? and so So full. DBS would be a... You wouldn't be able to take part in this oh, particular one. No MRI. Because of the MRI. Uh, yeah. Any, anything else, I'm happy to take. Brilliant. Part so, if anybody wanted to take part, or any anybody listening, then no, we they can contact me directly. And I'm intrigued why you're so interested, Jeremy. Well, I am interested because it's very, very rare that you come across someone who talks feelingly about and just to, about about this disease with such clarity. With such clarity, yes. <laughs> Thank you. High praise. No, you're very good. So this is called Brain Drain. What do you do in the dead of night when everyone's fast asleep? Are you silent, solitary, writing wretched poetry, sometimes? Or do you simply pray? No, I was not brought up that way. I reason with myself to say, do not dream the hours away. Use the time productively. And so maybe it is madly foolish, but I'm bent on learning Polish. Why? Because it's difficult and I'm a stubborn type. And it gives me loads of pleasure if I ever get it right. 
That's very good. Now read it out in Polish. Exactly. <laughs> very good, excellent. Wow. <laughs> very good, bravo. You've been listening to Movers and Shakers, a podcast about living with Parkinson's. The show is sponsored by Judge Nick Mostyn's Old Chambers and by the generous contributions of private donors. The show is produced by Nick Hilton for Podo. Our theme music is by Alex Stubbs and cover artwork by Till Lukat. Please subscribe to get new episodes straight into your podcast app and do rate and review if you enjoyed the show. We have a brand new all singing, all dancing website with lots more information about each episode. You will find it at www.moversandshakerspodcast.com and please email any thoughts or questions to feedback at moversandshakerspodcast.com. See you next week.